Thank you. And I hope you got all of that. Did you get it all? Did you memorize it there? Um, Hey, so we are in the book of John. We come to this passage. Um, Before we look at it, just a a few things I want to draw your attention to. One is, um, if you're not in a community group, uh, we'd love for you to sign up for one. Um, You you can do that by going in the back, or you can go online, and there's a link on how to get connected to a community group. And our community groups are relaunching um, for the winter coming up this next week, and so Uh, If you are a community group leader, could I ask you to stand? I just want to pray for our community group leaders. If you're a community group leader, stand. This is your opportunity for everyone to see you. We can clap for them too, I suppose. Um, I just want to to pray over them um, before we jump into this passage. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, would you uh, just use these leaders um, to lead our people into a growing relationship with you, Jesus. Um, Lord, would you fill uh, each and every community group with people who um, can just grow in community with one another and grow in living out the gospel together. Pray these things, and everybody said, amen. You can be seated there. Um, One last thing I didn't want to say, but this is just good to say. Every once in a while, you see people walk behind here, and it is, could be so utterly distracting. It is, at least it is for me. Uh, so you know what I do? I just go, Lord, I'm just going to pray for them. So if you see people just walking by me, pray. Just pray that they would know Jesus and be weird if they're just like walking right now. We're praying for you. So just just know that, okay? We can pray for them. Um, and thank you for many of you who had to park in the far parking lot. John chapter 6. Um, so John, the book of John, one of the things that sets it apart from the other three gospels, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What... What you will find over and over again in Matthew, Mark, and Luke are teachings that Jesus gives called parables. Jesus gave a vast number of parables. In fact, it was the primary way that he, was, he would teach. He would teach in parables. And by the way, a parable was just simply um, a metaphorical story that Jesus would teach, and it was meant to illustrate Um, just a spiritual truth. You read John's gospel. Do you know how many parables we read in John's gospel? Anybody? Anybody? Zero. We read zero parables in John's gospel. John does not give us one parable that Jesus speaks, but what he does give us is something the other gospel writers don't give us. He gives us what are called the seven I am statements. Everybody say, I am. So there are seven I am statements that Jesus gives. We run into the first one here today. I am the bread of life. The next one, um, I am the light of the world. That's John 8. I am the gate, John 10. I am the good shepherd, John 10. Again, I am the resurrection and the life, John 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14. And then the final one, 
I am the vine, John 15. So here's what you will notice, and I want to point out to you before we jump into this I am statement. What you'll notice about these seven I am statements is they are not literal. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's not saying, hey guys, I'm literally a piece of bread. Or, I'm literally a grapevine. He's not speaking literally like he does in his parables. He's speaking metaphorically. He's speaking metaphorically about who he is. Each I am statement is meant for you and I to better understand the character and the nature of who Jesus is. But even more than that, each I am statement is meant to teach us about how you and I ought to relate to the character and nature of Jesus. So it's one thing to learn about who Jesus is when he says, I am the bread of life. It's another thing for us to go, well, what does that mean for me? So today we're going to look at the um, I am the bread of life. Um, And here's what you've noticed. It's very long. It's the longest of all of the I am discourses that are given. Here's the other thing you noticed. It's kind of hard to fully grasp and understand. Anybody tracking on that one? And here's the third thing. It is easily the most controversial. What we didn't read and what you will see next week is that the crowds that were there that heard Jesus give this long discourse about how he is the bread of life, almost all of them said, yeah, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. That, that's really hard, what he just said. So we're out of here. Most of the people left Jesus because of this discourse. Now we get to hear a sermon on it. So if you are offended by this sermon, if you are offended by this teaching, in many ways you were like the masses. So because of the length of this, uh, this passage, I, I kind of want to break it off into four different chunks and just kind of land down on each chunk here. Um, in the four different pieces of this discourse I want us to look at is why we need this bread why we need it, what it is, what is this bread, thirdly, how do we get it, and then finally, what do we do with it, why we need it, what it is, how do we get it, what do we do with it. So, why we need it. In verse 25, it says, when they found him, so the crowds, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, it was more like 20, 25,000 people that were fed, men, women, and children. They go and they seek Jesus the next day, and it says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. 
Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, the Son of Man is uh, the primary name that Jesus gives himself, the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, oh, now it's working, on him the Father, I I can't read that part because of my iPad here, uh, what's the on him the Father? Everybody say it together. Oh, there it is. Has set his seal. So notice what Jesus is doing, and notice what the people are doing. The people come to Jesus because they're impressed. They come to Jesus because they got a free meal. They they come to him. anybody just love a good free meal, and you're like, I want to go back there. Anybody? Yes, me too. These kind of what these people are doing. Jesus confronts them and says, hey, I know why you're coming to me. You're coming to me because you got a good, good meal. You came to me because you saw me multiply the loaves. You ate of them, and your stomach physically was filled. Was filled. But notice what Jesus does next. He says, but do not work for the food that perishes, for the food that endures for eternal life. What is Jesus doing? He's doing what he always does. He's taking a conversation that is about the physical things of life, like bread, and Jesus wants to have a spiritual conversation about it. Jesus is always doing this. Nicodemus shows up at his door, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, hey, can we talk about eternal life? Or how about the woman at the well? The woman at the well gets in this conversation about water, and Jesus says, hey, can we actually talk about living water? Jesus is the guy at the party where you're talking about football or the Seahawks or, or work. You're talking about the things of life, and he's the guy that's like, hey, can we talk about um, your eternity? Which makes us all really comfortable, right? But that's exactly what he's doing here. He's going, you want to have a conversation about food and loaves. But can we have actually a far more important conversation? Can we talk about your eternity? Why do we need this bread that Jesus is speaking of? Because Jesus says, it's actually an issue of eternity. What I want to talk to you about is not about getting your next meal, but about life and about death, about heaven, about hell, about your eternity. I was just so utterly reminded of this. Last week, um, it was right before the message, and um, someone who goes here, I've been friends with them for a very long time, they come up to me, and they begin to share with me that um, after church, Um, He was going to go with his old pastor, which I'm okay with because his old pastor is my old pastor and, and, and what a good man he is. But he's going with his old pastor, Pastor Ken, to go and visit um, his longtime Taekwondo instructor who's dying of cancer. He's dying of cancer. And he doesn't know Jesus. And he's going there because there is a such thing as life and death and heaven and hell 
and eternity. And Jesus, I just, I want you to keep your eyes open for this and your ears open for this as you read through the Gospel of John. Jesus is relentless about turning the conversation to eternal matters. This life is but a breath, is it not? It is, it is but a breath. One day, people you love are here, and then the next day they're not. And then one day you realize, oh, maybe, maybe that'll be me. And Jesus is going, yep. Why do we need this bread Jesus is talking about? Because one day you and I will breathe our last. And what we will need more than anything is this eternity that Jesus can give. So we need this bread. We need this bread that Jesus is giving. Let's keep reading. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? In other words, they're saying, um, okay, can you, like this eternal bread you're talking about, what must we do to, to, to get God to give us this? And Jesus says, Jesus answered that, that this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. In other words, Jesus is saying, okay, good, okay, awesome. You want this bread. You want this eternity. That's a good desire. But here's the thing. The work you must do to get it is simply believe. Just simply believe in Jesus. Think about that for a moment. The, the only thing that separates someone from heaven and hell is a belief in Jesus Christ. It's, it's not a big list of all the things that you need to do, but you fail to do. The one thing, the one thing that stands between someone spending eternity with God in eternity apart from God. The one thing is faith in Jesus. That, to me, that is emboldening. That is empowering to just go, oh, well, all they got to do is believe in Jesus. That's it. And that's what Jesus is saying. And, and so they said to him, I love this, <laughs> So they said to him, oh, okay, fine, so we, we must have faith in you, okay. So then, what sign do you do that we may see and believe? Okay, all right, you say that the only way we get this eternity is by believing in you, but man, I don't know, Jesus, you haven't really proved how impressive you are. Give us a sign. Hyperlink back like 10 verses where Jesus takes a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish and multiplies them for thousands and thousands of people. But, but it reminds me, how, how, how quickly do you and I forget the work that God has done in our life? 
how quickly we forget how faithful God has been in our life. Like anytime we hit a wall, we're like, seriously, God? Like what? How am I going to get over this one? And you know God's going, just like the last one, Dunkley. Just like the last one. And they say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. In other words, they're saying, hey, show us a sign. In fact, here's, here's one you could kind of do that was really cool. Our fathers, they were in the desert and God provided manna. And again, you're supposed to hyperlink back to like the day before and go, but like he did that, guys. Come on. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. So why do we need this bread? Because it's a matter of heaven and hell. It's a matter of your eternity. What is this bread? What is the bread? Jesus said, I, I am the bread. Now, I want to talk for a moment about this this metaphor here of how Jesus is the bread. I don't think we understand this fully because... How many of you, you ate breakfast this morning? How many? Okay? So you're definitely not going to get this right now. Like, you, you are satisfied, okay? This is hard for us to get because we eat breakfast, we eat lunch, we eat dinner, and then we kind of scatter some meals in between, and, and, and then, you know, probably dessert too, at least that's how we do it in the Dunkley household. Um, I think the only way you can begin to understand this metaphor is to, is to actually partake in a prolonged fast from food. How many of you, you have fasted from eating all kinds of food for more than 24 hours? Just, just raise your hand. I know there's that verse about not telling people about fasting. Raise them up, raise them up, okay? So, a number of us have not. So, the very first time I fasted, it was about 10 years ago, I kind of did it on a whim, which you shouldn't do when you fast. Usually think about it, get your purposes right. Well, I decided I'm going to fast, and I made the decision Monday night after I had, and never make the decision after you ate a full meal. So I ate this full meal, I'm going to fast the next day to the glory of God. I wake up the next morning, I have just a really great devotional time with the Lord, and preparing myself to fast for the whole entire day, and then about a half an hour after my normal breakfast time showed up, man, it felt like I was starving. Just utterly starving. And the fact that I knew I wasn't eating the whole day just, just made those hunger pangs that much worse. And what I didn't think about is the fact that I had a staff meeting for our church that morning. I never get... The place where I get hungry more than ever is during meetings. Like, I have to have food in meetings. Anybody represent there? You get hungry during meetings? So... We have this meeting. We never, ever have food at staff meetings. Coffee, yes, no food. Well, a lovely woman that clearly Satan was trying to use to destroy me had brought in fresh baked scones. In fact, she baked them in our office 
kitchen so I could smell the aroma of them. It was the fair scone mix, kind of my favorite kind I grew up with. And to the glory of God, she had taken the liberty to slice them in half and fill a number of them with homemade jam just the way I like them. And she brings them into our staff meeting. There's about a dozen of them. And I think to myself, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. My coworkers here, they are going to eat them. The temptation will lift. 35 minutes later, I've not paid attention to anything anybody has said. My mind is wandering. I can't think straight. Anybody, you, when you're hungry, listen, you don't understand the power of your flesh until you have fasted from food for a prolonged time. And so my flesh is I cannot concentrate. I'm like, I'm getting weak. I realized like I had missed one meal, guys. But I'd never done this before. And I can't think straight, and I'm just going, ugh. And so I took a scone, and I ate it. (laughs) Hey, don't clap for me. (laughs) And then I was like, well, first of all, it tasted so good. Um, And then I was like, well, (laughs) clearly I'm not fasting. And so I had another scone. I ended up eating four scones that morning. But here's what you realize when you fast. Food is often, it's the way that we are sustained physically. But you know what I learned that day? Or at least I was reminded of? That's only one purpose of food. Food sustains you when you are weary. It keeps you from being weary. But you know what else it does? It strengthens you too. You're able to think a lot better, a lot more clearly. And it satisfies. I didn't need to have a third or fourth scone. You know why I did? Because it was so delicious. And Jesus says, that's me. You're weary. You go to food to sustain you. But we all have a kind of spiritual weariness, don't we? Life does some certain things to us that makes us weary. And Jesus says, I can sustain you. We go through seasons where we are weak. We feel absolutely incapable. You have moments where you go, I cannot beat this sin. I cannot figure out how to correctly parent and discipline and raise my child. I can't figure out how to be the kind of husband, the kind of wife that God wants me to be or that my spouse would like me to be. Or I can't figure out how to pass this class. I can't figure out how to do well in my job. We all have moments in our life and they come quite consistently where we feel like we don't have the power. And Jesus says, I got the power. I can strengthen you. And here's the thing. We 
are desire factories. Do you know what you do all the time? You are hungry for things all of the time. I wonder what you're hungry for now. So I'm not trying to be silly, but 340 is going to show up, and, and some of us are going to be really hungry for the Seahawks to win. See? Thank you for making that point, Carrie, or Jacob, the whole Doss family. <laughs> but think about the things you're hungry for right now. You're hungry maybe to be accepted by somebody. You're, you're hungry to be liked. And Jesus says, all those hunger pangs that you have, all of them, you know what will happen? Even if you get filled, you'll be hungry for it tomorrow again. Always. Always. And Jesus says, but I can satisfy you forever. So just, that's where Jesus is going with this bread metaphor. This is not just about sustaining. This is about strengthening. This is about satisfying. And what is the bread? What is the bread? What is the bread? Let's just say it together. What is the bread? Jesus. You guys are like, yeah. Jesus. What is the bread? It's not the forgiveness of Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not the love of Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not the grace. It's not the compassion. It's not the presence. It is Jesus. That's powerful. And so many of us, we, it's like we pursue a character trait of God and what we need is God himself. And Jesus said, that's what I'm offering. The bread is Jesus. And he says, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, this is a promise, this is a promise. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven. God has come down from heaven. Jesus has come to us. God has put on flesh. He's come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Why we need it? Because eternity is at stake. What is it? It's Jesus. How do we get it? Verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. How do we take hold of this bread of life? How do we take hold of this eternal life? We just believe in Jesus. We just believe. The word believe here, we are such an intellectual society. We just are. This word belief here, it's, it's, it's so much deeper than intellectual. It's, 
It's to trust. It's one thing to believe that 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 bridge there that crosses over a a 2,000-foot drop, it's one thing to believe, yeah, that'll hold me. It's another thing to take a step and start walking on that bridge. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Okay, okay. the way that you take hold of this, don't just have some intellectual belief, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's okay, I'm going to step out. I'm I'm going to surrender myself to Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to believe fully, all of me, completely, put myself in Jesus' hands. And notice their response, verse 41. So the Jews, they grumbled about him. By the way, um, John is kind of giving us a reference of what the Israelites did in the desert. Remember, when, even when God gave them manna, what did they do? They grumbled. We, you know, we want some meat too. And, you know, they, they just, they whine and complain. And Jesus is going, yeah, you guys are, you guys are grumbling. Nothing's, nothing's changed here. And so the Jews, they grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? They they look at him, they know enough about his history to go, yeah, I don't think we can believe in him. We know his mom and dad. Verse 43, Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. Now, how do we take hold of this eternal life? We believe, but Jesus says there's actually a little bit more you need to see. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So, how do we receive this eternal life? We must believe but we are first and foremost drawn by the Heavenly Father. Which is such a picture of His grace. You know what Jesus says to His disciples? He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you. Because let's be honest here. If if we're really honest, if it's just left, left to ourselves, we're not going to choose Jesus. It takes the Father drawing our hearts in to finally go, I surrender. Now lastly, what do we do with it? What do we do with this bread of life? What do we do with this? Okay, we, we need to believe the Father draws our hearts. So let's get the context here, and then we'll see what we must do. Verse 49, Jesus says, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Translation, That miracle you saw, it actually didn't pan out in the long term anyways. Okay, they all died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Everyone feel comfortable right now? Okay, me too. Let's keep going. Whoever, now I want you to pay attention to this. 
Whoever, let's say that word together, feeds. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever, let's say it together, feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. The reason why I point out that word feeds is because, uh, first of all, it's used four times right here. Um, It's used two other times in the whole entire New Testament. This is not the normal word you use for eating. This word in Greek, it's trogo. Everybody say trogo. Okay, good job, class. Trogo, it literally means to, to eat loudly. The image is feasting. Now, those of you who know me well, I've got a couple of family members in the crowd. If you eat with me, and I'm hungry enough, and the food is good enough, I can't eat silently. Now, I don't like chomp my food and make, that's, that's, my brother did that, and it drove me nuts, okay? Like, ugh, disgusting. But when I take a bite of something that is really delicious and I'm hungry, here's what happens. I, I literally cannot help it. I'll go, mmm. I will eat by myself, no one there, and I will still talk to myself. I'll just go, mmm, that's good. Does anybody do that? Okay, a few, a few of you, no shame. People mock me because of this. You know what I think? What? Hey! <laughs> That's my father-in-law. At Thanksgiving every year, my nieces and my, my, brother, my brothers-in-law, they all look at each other like, oh, here he goes. But what I'm doing is like, man, this is really, really good. Now, that's the word that's being used. Jesus' audience is going to get really offended here. Because this can come across pretty crass, right? Feast on me is what Jesus is saying. But, think for a moment. We say things like, I devoured that book. I drank in that podcast. Or my favorite, and it's probably in the latest dictionary, is... I totally binge-watched that whole TV series. Somebody told me they watched all episodes of gro- Growing the... One of the ones. It, it was very long, okay? And it was like 134 episodes, and he did it in like two weeks. This is a grown man, friends. <laughs> Wonder years. Wonder years. There it is. He told me after he watched it, he said, he, he just grew up really fast. Yeah. But we use this language, and that's simply what Jesus is doing. I want you to think about something, and here's what struck me. 
What do we do with this? What do we do with this image that Jesus gives us? And he tells us, feast on me. Listen, how many of you have binge-watched like six episodes? You gave three or four or five hours of your time to a TV show. Okay, no shame. Maybe don't raise your hands, though. (laughs) When's the last time you feasted on Jesus like that? Where you just said, tomorrow I'm just going to set aside an hour and open up the Gospel of John and just feast on the words of Jesus. Drink in the promises that we are given to eat this book. And be reminded of how incredible Jesus is and that there is none that satisfies like Him. And that's my challenge to you guys. We feast on so many things in life. Good things. Gifts. But when's the last time you feasted on the gift giver? When's the last time you set aside time and just said... I am going to get on my knees. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm, going to, I'm just going to feast on the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. And that's my challenge to you this week, to go and do that. Let's pray. Father, in a way we get a chance to feast on you during this time of worship.